welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you today? Doing yeah, good? Yeah, 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 we're great. Yeah, that was the most like mid intro, mid. like mid. Yeah. If you don't know what that means, it's like meh, it's bad. How are you guys this morning? Better, better. Yes. Awesome. Well, if you don't know us, um, my name's Ben. I'm the Clearbrook campus pastor. Woo woo! My Clearbrook peeps. Clearbrook, and love you. This is my beautiful, amazing, she corrected me, goddess of a wife. <laughs> I mean, doesn't Claire. every woman want to be called a goddess by their husband? Come on. I'm, I'm sure. I, I, I learned that today. Yes. Well, that's the title I would like you to refer to me from now on. <laughs> But yeah, we're just so glad to be able to be speaking with you guys um, today. It's an honor to be able to do so. But can we give it up for Pastor John and Kristen, who just did such an amazing job last week? If you uh, if you missed the first uh, um, the first of our series, I said episode. I I did almost say episode. It would fit. But uh, if if you missed the first episode of this series, you can go back on YouTube or on the website and watch it. And I would encourage you to do so. They brought such a great word last week. Um, In in movies, oftentimes we're sold this narrative that we are to live happily ever after, right? And it's, it's just portrayed all throughout our culture that oftentimes the movie ends once the people get married. And it's sending a clear message to us. But what they propose how we should live instead is that we should live happily even after that even if things don't go right that we can still uh, surrender ourselves to God and that he can use us to fulfill his will on the earth and I thought it was just such a great message so such a good message absolutely absolutely and so uh, we're excited you know this summer we will celebrate eight years of marriage yes we got married at like five years old. Pretty much. Know. It was basically we, we, arranged. We were baby. No, we, no, it wasn't. Don't tell the people that. It's, <laughs> it's like got a bad connotation. <laughs> I love you. I married you for love. <laughs> Certainly wasn't the money because we all know being in ministry. <laughs> That's why uh, she just became a pediatric ICU nurse this year. Yeah, so if you remember the last time we preached, I told you guys my dream was to become a pediatric nurse, and I'm going to get emotional about it, but um, God allowed me to realize that yeah, dream. he's and, faithful to his yeah, promises. Yeah, so faithful, and, so I'm very blessed. Um, and he gave me a sugar mama. <laughs> yes. Yeah, show me the money, all right. <laughs> Well, and as you know, as you've heard, we do not have children yet. We look forward to making you all grandparents. Yes, but in our own time, can I just say every time you guys ask, it pu- it pushes it back a month. So every mm-hmm. time somebody asks. And it's been almost every weekend for seven and a half years. Yes, so it's kind of out of spite now, so it's your own fault. Not you guys. Not, not my parents. <laughs> we understand that. And my sister and my brother, they want to be aunts and uncles and your brothers and sisters. Absolutely. So it'll, it'll come. Just in be due patient. Time. That's right. Yes. But in this season, we have our fur babies, whether you like that or not. They are our fur babies. Yes. Here they are. I know. Aren't they so cute? Oh, they're lovely. And they love me all the time. I've heard children not so much. That's like not the case. <laughs> they love me all the time. So this is Stella right behind me. Um, she's a sweetheart. So. She was born on our wedding day. Yes, so we of course I had to drive her. to Ohio to get her. Yes. And then this is Maple. She just joined us in December. She was my Christmas present. Is that not the best Christmas present ever? Yeah, she's still a work in progress. The Lord's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna redeem her of her biting and healer of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> my 
scarred hands are proof of that. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's just a little bit about us. But today in this message, what we are going to be talking about is, are we reading from the same script? Yes. Are we on the same team? Yeah, that's so good. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, this is kind of a hard message to hear. It's a hard mm-hmm. message to preach. Um, and so first service was a little quiet. Maybe you guys can do a little bit better. But I know it's, <laughs> it's definitely reflective. And so um, it's something to chew on for sure. Absolutely. So, um, but anyways... You know, we're talking about marriage in the movies. What makes a good movie? Ben and I are huge movie buffs. We love sitting down and watching movies. We'll just binge movies. And we, you know, most days there's not good TV on. So we'll always turn on a good movie. And so if you really think about it, what makes a good movie? It's the script. Nobody thinks about it. Everyone's like, oh, the actor, the producer, the, 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 the director, that's everything. No, it's the script. Without the script, there would be no movie. And so, you know, these, these screenwriters, they take a couple months out of the year to, to flesh out these scripts. And they get input from the production company and from the director and the, from the producer. And sometimes, you know, these actors will come in here with their creative um, ideas and want to put their own spin on things. So they really have to work. And sometimes there's rewrites. But the script is the all-important part of the movie. And, um, you know, there's a team behind that script Absolutely. and it brings a dynamic and a passion and a love into the movie that's being made. And ultimately it creates the final product. Absolutely. And what really makes it so cohesive, what makes it a powerful movie is that the actors stuck to the script. Absolutely. That they knew what their script even was. And so you can tell when everyone's working together though, right? You can tell by the finished product. And it's the same way with your marriage. You know, your, you, your spouse, your family, no matter how dysfunctional, how imperfect you are, because that, is, that represents all of us, um, you are a team working towards one significant goal, and that is to live a successful Christian life. So the question that begs to be asked is how effective are you and your spouse as a team? And let me just say right off the bat, I know if you're single or whatever, and you, or you're divorced and hoping to be remarried one day, this message is still for you. And if you're a teenager, you're thinking, nah, I don't know. Get those good practices in place right now. Take notes. Um, I, I love during one of our EXO sessions this weekend, somebody made a joke that like, what if we get to heaven and there's a test? But if you took notes, it's an open book test. So I don't know, something good. So I'm not saying people who take notes get into heaven, but I would just, you know. Why take the risk? Why take the risk? Absolutely. (laughs) So take the notes. Absolutely. Um, And I just want to speak to maybe even those who are divorced in the room. Um, because I think that the series, it can maybe bring up some, um, some hard things. It can, you know, you've, you've journeyed through a lot. And can I just encourage you in this today as a pastor is that maybe your, your marriage ended, but your life has not. So good. So, so good. And it's very difficult what you're walking through. Um, no one, you know, only you have been in those shoes. And so what, if I could encourage you towards anything is that as you navigate these next steps in your life, that you would just all the more pray and seek God's will for you and listen to his voice. What does he want to say in the midst of what you're going through today? That's just my side note. But when we talk about teamwork and marriage, what does it mean? Because our expectation is that we're all going to head in the same direction. That is just going to be automatic. But most often we have these expectations of what it is and what it's going to look like. But our imperfections, our individualities, our personalities, and all of our insecurities begin to clash. And when they clash, are we really living in the way God designed marriage to be? You know, marriage needs teamwork. And you're not just going to get what you want out of it, but it's also thinking about 
your spouse. Yeah. And you're fighting for your family. And I, I love this illustration that marriage is not meant to be fought nose to nose. It's meant to be fought back to back. We have one common enemy and it's not each other. That's so good. And I think that it's appropriate with it being Super Bowl Sunday that we bring in a football illustration. Don't you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think so as well. Does anyone remember, remember the Titans? Woo! All right. Such a good movie. If you yes. haven't seen it. You live under a stone or you're probably under 20. Yes. It's such a classic. And I always forget, you guys, this, that story is, it's a true, it's based off a true story mm-hmm. and it's local to our area. It took place in Alexandria, just if you didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. And so this takes, uh, it, the movie takes place in a time in our, our country um, where we see the integration of schools, where we see this really perverse racism going on in our culture. And at T.C. Williams High School, it was a school that was integrating. And so the tensions were high among the students, among the football team. And we see the school take a courageous act and promote a black man to be the head coach. Yeah. And, but what this does is this causes a bunch of strife in the community. It caused division uh, between the two coming together teams. And what we see is they begin to work against one another because of their perceived differences and maybe even discriminations that they had. But in the end, that they found that they were stronger together and that they were a part of a family. And ultimately, that is what made them stronger. Yes. If you remember, it's like, left side, strong side. Yeah, love it. Yes, love that movie. (laughs) But God gives us plenty of opportunities within our marriage to build the ability to be a great team. And Luke eleven seventeen says this, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. That's why it's so important for us to be on the same script. But a great team is unified, but we can't be a great team dynamic until we understand the roles that we play. Right. So we're going to spend some time breaking down these two roles of the husband and the wife and that some of us may overlook these roles yeah. or because we, we just don't like them or mostly because we don't truly understand them. So your line is roles in marriage. Wives, you are the helper and husbands, you are the head. Before we start reading, let us be very clear. This is not Ben and I's spin on things. This is not our own opinion. This is biblical. This is scriptural. Amen. We're going to provide scripture to back this up. Um, we, we know that this isn't what culture says, right. right? And because we know culture can kind of take away from God's true nature that he gave man and woman these roles in the marriage covenant. Absolutely. And so we're going to get ready to get into scripture here in just a second. I'm going to read from Ephesians 5. So you can flip there if you want. But in the meantime, uh, let's just go ahead and pray before we do get into God's word this morning. Father, we just thank you today that we have the opportunity to come and to learn from your word as we speak. Let us speak your words, not our opinions, not the things that um, we would want to project, God, but let us speak your words today, God. And I just pray, Lord, that um, you know maybe there are marriages here today, God, that need this word. Lord, that, um, that you're going to do a great and mighty work. And I just ask that you would remove any of the distractions in our mind, the things that would take us away from focusing on you and your presence in this moment. So God, we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, and then I'm going to read 21 through 33. So hang in here with me. All right. So verse 15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So we see this idea that husband and wife, male and female, are made in the image of God. And they both have equal worth. Note that. They have equal worth and they have equal value. But they're different and they have different roles to play. God did not make man the leader just because he's man. We don't see that in scripture. No, but what we do see is that God assigned roles, not based on differences in value, but the purpose designed by our creator. See, it's not about power, it's about order. Husband and wife have the same value before God, but they have different responsibilities. And really the biggest struggle that we face and makes us cringe up and you know, get real ugly about it is that word submit but why? We think that it's a negative word and, and that really I think our problem with it, with it is that it feels like we're giving over our rights to somebody, that it gives permission for somebody to domineer us or to oppress us, but that is not biblical submission. But we live in a culture today of such hyper-individuality that anything that would come against it is a threat to my very soul, but that is not God's word. But that is not the submission that we see in scripture. Right. When we have a warped view of submission, anytime we read this passage, instead of being filtered through that lens of God, it's filtered through our own human lens or of, of our past or maybe somebody else's experience with submission. So every significant misunderstanding of the biblical role for husbands and wives in marriage comes down to a misunderstanding of the biblical idea of submission. Because submission is not a bad thing. No, it's not. And like when we look at that word submit in the Greek uh, and in that scripture, it means to be under, to be arranged. And it's this idea that you're under God's arrangement, that you are putting yourself under God's plan. You know, verse 22, it said, wives, submit to your own husbands. And can I bring some clarity to that? Is that, wife, you are not to submit to every man. Correct. That is a clarification that we need to bring to your own husband. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important for us to clarify there. But also that word that means own is, uh, it's funny because it sounds, it's, Idios. It kind of sounds like, you know, another English word that we have. So if you're maybe taking some, some baby steps towards this today, just be like, I guess I just got to follow my own idiot husband around. So <laughs> just a little bit of fun. You're not an idiot, babe. Not all the time. Not all the time. Yeah. You know, I love you. <laughs> but we see this submission in God himself. 
we know that God is three in one. We, you know, the, the theology of the Trinity, but Christ in his own humanity submitted himself to the will of the father, not because he was of lesser value, but because he was under the headship of the father. There is equality, but there's also differentiation between them. And Matthew 26, 39 says this, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And when Christ was leaving, when he is uh, speaking to the apostles, after he had risen from the grave and was about to ascend into heaven, he says, when I leave, I will send a helper. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. But it goes back to Genesis, this word picture of when man created, or when God created Adam, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. That, and Adam, I'm going to find you a helpmate. And so what did he do? He brought Adam, his wife. He brought Eve to be a helper, to serve in the purposes that God had for them. So when we're talking about the marriage covenant, the idea of submission is not anything about hierarchical control or an authority thing. It's, it really comes down just to a biblical ordering and mandate that God has set in place. Yeah. So our line is, wives, to understand your role as the helper, it is volun- you must voluntarily submit as an equal. I think the important part about this is it's a voluntary submission of an equal. We're equal, but I'm going to voluntarily right. submit to you, yielding to another in love. Submission of a wife to her husband is not a subordinating thing or making her feel less than or making her feel inferior. It's a voluntary submission of an equal. So it's not being a doormat. Husbands, you do not walk all over your spouse. But wives also, not the other end of the spectrum, don't try to lead your husband. It never ends well. I'm speaking from experience. And um, yeah, you can laugh. It's funny. But I mean, being very vulnerable at one point in our marriage, I had told Ben, we were newly married, and I said, you're being a really bad leader. And he said, you're not giving me space to lead. And that was a really hard thing for me. And it, it took a lot, but I'm, this is a message that we've lived out, that yeah. I've had to learn submission because it's not the way of the world, is it? Yeah. Um, we're hearing women preach, you know, we need to be independent and I don't need no man. And, you know, that's, that's fine and well, but I need him. Like, he's my helpmate just as much as I'm his helpmate. And so I think it's so important that, yes, I can have an independence and yes, it's okay to be a strong woman, Absolutely. but it's also important to be submitted to your husband. Yeah. And, and so, um, <laughs> you know, it's wives, we can embrace this idea of submission. This kind of helps because, um, we, we can have the right understanding of it and husbands, you're to pursue and trying to understand and to be obedient to your calling as a husband to love your wife, which wives in turn, this will lead to joyful submission to your husband. Absolutely. And I, the, one of the strongest things that, I've, that she can do is that when she disagrees with me, she still allows me to lead. I just want to say that, that, you know, for me, it's such a demonstration of her power, of her self-restraint that even if we disagree, she allows me to operate in the place that God has. Well, I'll hear about it if, if we disagree, which I should, but she still gives me the space to lead. And so um, today, if you are a wife who doesn't have, uh, whose husband isn't living that role, 
Um, we're going to break some of that down next, but maybe you're asking yourself, how can I submit to him? You don't know him like I do. And 1 Peter 3, 1 says this, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Sometimes we don't like what scripture says. Sometimes we don't believe that it actually applies to us or that it's really going to speak to what we are going through. But why would we be that selfish? Why would we believe that God's word does not apply to us? Because, you know, everything in our nature really wants to buck up against the word of God, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's an, actually an act of submission where we have to get, we have to put our will aside and say, you know what, Lord, I need to take on your will so that that way, you know, I'm going to make bad decisions in my own human nature yeah. and I'm a selfish person, but I need to do this thing your way. Right. And not letting your flesh lead. Those of you with kids, you know, you don't have to teach your children to disobey, right? Yeah. Why is their first word always no? Right. And you don't have to teach them to test, their, test the limits. They just know how to do it because it's in their innate nature. It's who they are. And, you know, so a personal example, some of you may have heard this. Um, if you didn't know, Pastor John and Kristen are actually my parents. And so I just want to thank you guys for leading uh, me well as a daughter and Uh, one of the reasons I know that they led well is because I was a hellion, okay? I was a terrible child. Um, So it's by the grace of God that I am who I am today. For example, I don't think it was 100% my fault because um, they were youth pastors at the time. And so I was kind of hanging out with the wrong crowd, if you will. Um, These teenagers were awful. And so I was learning things from them. But I would slam doors and I would... um, yell at my parents and tell them, I hate you. I'm running away. I would pack my bags weekly and stand at the edge of the sidewalk trying to run away. But I was four years old, so I couldn't cross the street. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Four years old, I was slamming my door. So one day I walked back in and my dad's unscrewing the door from the hinges. I got my door taken off its hinges at four. So um, Alec and Julia, when you guys have kids, whenever that is, no rush because I, no feel, I feel that in the future, whenever, by the grace of God, um, don't let them hang out with the teenagers because they're the worst. <laughs> okay. So thank you, mom and dad. I am more submitted now, a little more submitted because of you and because of your leadership. You broke me like a wild Mustang. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Yes, hon. Yes, babe. Are you saying I'm not? <laughs> no. <laughs> Your grandfather told me that the best thing I could ever say is yes, dear. Yes, yes dear. Both of them, actually. Yep, that's right. <laughs> but the question then becomes for us, how then do we plan to live our lives worshiping God? Will we regard his word as life-giving, complete, and true? Or will we make the decision that we're going to worship our own desires and make God's word become subject to our own interpretation and our own sensibilities? This is a heart check and it's an attitude check within ourselves. And if we want to be on the same page, we need to be living in the role that God has called us to. Wives, you have the responsibility of being the helpmate. And husbands, you have the responsibility of being the head. You know, scripture gives us this clear picture of the marriage covenant that the husband's the head, the wife is a helper, but both are equal in worth and importance, but their roles are just simply different. And wives are called to submit to the husband and to the Lord Uh, And husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And guys, this is in scripture is talked about as a deep, unsearchable, unknowable depth of love. So we have a we have big shoes to fill, guys. But of these um, 
we are still to act in submission. Uh, we, we read in verse 23, it said, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body is himself, its savior. And that word head there means literally a head on a body, but also it means a just ruler or a cornerstone, something that carries the full weight and responsibility. And scripture tells us that us husbands, when we enter into this marriage covenant, that at the end of time, we will be held accountable before God, that he's going to hold me accountable at a different level than he's going to hold her. And so Christ acts as the head of the church because ultimately the church is his bride. And in verse 25, we read, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that is that word agape, which we maybe have heard in church before, but it is a sacrificial, it is an unconditional love. It's a, even though you didn't meet my needs, I'm going to meet yours today type of love. Right. How many of you guys have heard the phrase, or maybe you've even said it, but happy wife, happy life. Um, I've noticed that the men who say that are the most miserable human beings on the face of the earth. It's a coping mechanism. It is a coping mechanism, but it just makes me sad because this isn't scriptural at all. And let me just say, wives, the vibe of the family should not depend on your mood in the moment. So check yourself. It's, It's important that you kind of have that sacrificial love. Absolutely. And I I think that we, as men, shouldn't take that for granted either, that loving your wife also doesn't mean that you dodge all conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that you always give into everything your spouse wants and says, I'm personally a people pleaser, and I wish I could just say yes to her all the time. But that's not what, how God has called us to do. He hasn't called the man to be a passive leader because leadership is not passive. And because if it is, then it's lazy leadership. Uh, in verse 26 and 27, it explains the nature of Christ's love for his bride, symbolizing how we are to love our wives, that the heart of our savior is that we sacrificially give ourselves up to love and protect our wives. And the author here is talking about, yes, how Christ loves the church, but in the same way, us husbands, we are to love. It is an action. It is a commitment. And can I tell you, it's a decision that will cost you something. Love, as we all know, is the most costly, sacrificial, all-encompassing, and self-refusing command that could possibly be given to a man. There is no greater thing that can be asked of a husband than to love his wife. That's right. You know, we know that Christ died on the cross. So we see just how much Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for the church. So that responsibility, no one could do that but Jesus. And just like no one can love your spouse the way that you are to love your spouse. No one can or should be able to love your spouse like you do. And let me just say, if you try, I'm going to cut you, okay? He's mine. We've, we've been through a lot, you know? She's beautiful but dangerous. Yes. Watch yourself. <laughs> but really, no one else can do this and no one else should. It is our responsibility And men, it is our sacrifice as husbands, as men, and we need to do it. We need to love our wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up completely for her that that we might see our wives come to fulfill everything that God has called them to be, to fulfill the calling and and use the giftings of which he has placed inside of her because she is a daughter of the king. And man, he is a good father and he will hold us accountable to how we treat his daughters. 
And so, uh, so the question I have is, are we talking about the role of loving your wife as your own body? Is why would a husband want to harm their own body? I think that that's something that we need to ask because what we realize from this passage is that we are no longer ourselves. We, we are one. And so what I do to her is also a reflection of me as well. But I want her to thrive. I want to thrive. We need to thrive together. So if I'm loving my own body, I'm wanting to meet her needs. I'm laying down some of my wants so that I can meet the needs that she has. And this is my sacrifice. It's not hers. Yes, you will have sacrifices, but ultimately I am as the leader to lead the way in that. And I think that just, this is a conversation that we need to be having more of men, right? I think we need to be talking about this. We need to take time to talk with our spouses about this. But we are also to defend our wife's honor, to stand up for her, to protect her, um, to help her be set apart, as it says. And, you know, this means that we have battles to fight. Us men, we have real struggles, and it's, we're called to fight them. And can I say that doesn't make you evil? It doesn't make you, um, it doesn't make you lesser than in the sight of God that maybe you're struggling with some things today or maybe you're fighting today. And I just want to be plain. We have some battles that we need to fight. Men, we need to fight the battle against pornography in our culture. It is so pervasive and it's so pervasive even in churches. We need to fight the battle of the pride that is inside of our own hearts today. We need to fight the battle of tearing her down so that I might feel a little bit more like a man. If I cannot bring my conflict to her and I need to go talk behind her back to my friends and her friends, then who am I? How am I leading? Because Ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you come down to this altar and you weep before the Lord. It doesn't matter how many Bible studies you lead. It doesn't matter how well you are at singing the greatest worship song. Your, the way you treat your, life, your wife is a testimony that stands above any else of those things. You can't fake this. And so this is our fight because can I tell you that there is a generation of young men that are looking at you and I. There is a generation of young men who desire to be married, who believe God is calling them into marriage, and they need our example. So once again, it doesn't matter what we are telling them. The way we are living speaks much louder than any of our words. Uh, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So what picture are you painting for our young men today? So make your wife radiate. Um, you know, evoke her beauty. And before we begin to worry about ourselves, this is what it means to be the head, to go before, to lead, to bear the full weight and responsibilities of your marriage. And this is the type of leader that Christ has called us to be. And so the line for us men is this, men, to understand your role as head, we need to voluntarily love and lead as a priority. It is priority to us today. And men, we our servants before we are ever leaders. That's the type of leader that Jesus was. He says that the least of these is the greatest in the kingdom of God. So if you have to be number one all the time, then can I just say you might not be leading the way Jesus did. And so, but our leading, our sacrifice is a service to our family and to our wife. Uh, we can't disengage from this responsibility. Like we've said over and over again, this is our responsibility to bear and we need to embrace it fully, 
dying to self and understanding that this is something that is uniquely placed on us, that it is God-given and it is God-ordained. And if God has ordained it, he will equip you to do it. Amen? Amen. So these are our roles, right? This is our responsibility. And I mean, it begs the question, what if we aren't reading the same script? Yeah. If we aren't on the same page, it's going to affect the end result of this marriage relationship. That's right. Last week, Pastor John and Kristen said the goal of marriage or our life is to glorify God. The two of us exist to glorify God. And my role is to help you do a better job and to do that alongside of you. And in return, you help me glorify God better. So what can help get us on the same page and help us to be functioning as a better member of our team? That's right. And so as, as we begin to wind down our message today, we have really three things that I think that um, a couple are actions, one's a mindset that you can place into your life. Um, it's not going to solve all your problems. There is no magic bullet in this Christian life. I'm sorry. You're still going to have to push through pain. You're still going to have to push through um, uncomfort. But if you do these things, your marriage will be better for it. All right. So the first one is this. You need to create undisturbed in-person time for communication. So that means you need to find time to turn off the TV, you know, turn off Netflix, put your phone down, have a real FaceTime conversation. FaceTime right here. Yeah. Right here. Like we said earlier, we, we don't fight face to face or nose to nose, but you need to have those conversations nose to nose so you know how to go back to back together. And if you can't find time to have these conversations, can I say that maybe some of your priorities are misaligned? that maybe there's things that are not quite as important that just need to be called that and need to take a back burner because your marriage is number one. And so we need to think though, what example are we setting for our family in this way? You know, what, how are we setting up our sons and our daughters to be in marriage? Because our example, as, as it has your parents for you, will continue to help guide the way this next generation goes. And so in, this, in our current culture right now, though, there's such a heavy emphasis on pursuing career of being, you know, at being, having our kids in every sporting event and um, all the different after-school activities, making the house look neat, you know, going after the Joanna Gaines thing. And, you know, the list just continues to grow every single year. That's how it feels like, at least for us. And it can be difficult to find the time to be strategic but can I just say that if, if you're not being strategic about it, something else is. That something else is strategically taking you away from that time. And so this is going to look like a lot of hard work. It's going to be painful. It's not going to come naturally at first. But over time, you will grow the skills that are necessary to make this happen and to see your marriage thrive. But first we need to make sure that we are sacrificing the right things so that we have time for this. Yeah. And I think that we've said this before, but the order should be God, spouse, kids, career. Make sure that those priorities are in line. Um, But the second thing we want to do is to make memories, you know, and that starts with making time for one another carve out space, make time in your schedule, make each other laugh. Heck, make out. Come on, let's do this. Um, If we don't make the time to be, (laughs) if we don't make the time to be with one another, we're missing out on one of the greatest gifts that God's given us other than Jesus, but it's our spouse. Our spouse is truly a gift. 
Um, one of my favorite aspects of this weekend on EXO is they had little question prompts for us and um, it really helped us to reflect. One of my favorites was, what's your favorite date that we went on together? And I I loved that because he was like, I can't think of one, uh, one specific one because they're all so good. And it allowed us to reflect on the time and the effort that we've put into our relationship. One of my favorite things that was said this weekend was uh, by Dan Leanne, and he said, effort is the universal love language. So be intentional with one another to create time, to create space for those memories to be made. Absolutely. And the last thing is this, is that we need to be, we need to invite Christ to always be the center of everything we're doing, right? Um, With everything in life, Christ needs to be the very core of our soul. I cannot walk in my God-given role if Jesus is not the core of who I am. And I cannot walk in my role if I do not first develop this relationship because if he is not the center, then what is? You know, the scripture tells us that Jesus holds all things together. And if he's not the center, then what is holding my marriage together today? Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So my challenge for you today is this. Are you walking in your role? And can I encourage you that maybe, even if you are not today, that there's still time. There's still time to learn. Maybe you came in here today or you came into EXO this weekend and said, you know what, God, I need a miracle. This is my last chance. If, uh, if you don't fix something this weekend, then we're done. Or um, God, you know what? I just cannot go another day with this person. You just don't understand them. You don't understand how hard this is. If I can just encourage you today, it is not over yet. It is not over yet. And just that you would trust God that as we put these things to practice, is if we would give time to do these things and allow God to work in the middle of it, let's just challenge him and see how he will come through for us. Amen. Amen. Well, Claire and I, as we end today, what we wanted to do was just pray a prayer of blessing over you guys. Can we stand up? And I just want to hold your hand and we're just going to pray over everyone here today. Father God, we just thank you in this moment for all that you're doing. God, marriage is not easy, but Lord, it is such a rewarding thing when it's done your way. God, I ask that you would just continue to strengthen us, to continue to come against the narratives of the culture that Lord would ask us to live differently than your word. And Lord, and then in turn, not understand when it doesn't work. So God, I ask that our house, our marriage would be built on the solid rock that is you, Jesus, because that foundation will never crumble. And so Father God, I just pray blessings over the marriages of this church today. God, over the future marriages that are in this church, Lord, that we would be a witness to a world that is watching. Lord, that through our love for one another, God, that your love through submission and through grace would be made evident to the community and the world around us. God, we thank you that we don't do this thing on our own and that you strengthen us today to do so. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. 
Have a blessed week.